Hey y'all, I'm Gaina and I'm Sonia and you're listening to two bold and badass women sharing our takes on our South Asian experience. From discussing cultural taboos, tools for how to cope, together we can redefine our culture. Welcome to our safe community. Welcome to Brown and Bold. everyone. Today's episode is about feminism and masculinity, and its mean brother, toxic masculinity. So first, we're going to define some concepts around gender equality and how they manifest in South Asian culture. Then, of course, as usual, we'll talk about our unfortunate experiences (laughs) um, and how they've gotten better as brown and bold feminists. And then finally, we're going to brainstorm ways in which we can contribute to equity of genders. So, Sonia, what does feminism even mean to you? Kind of. (laughs) Feminism is a form of advocacy which is based on the equality of genders um, and it advocates for women based on the idea that all genders are equal. And so the reason that it references, you know, females or women in the title is because it is advocacy for women, but the baseline, the whole philosophy is about the equality of genders. Dang, girl. You sound smart. Well, dang, girl, thanks. <laughs> and you know, when I was a teen, I shied away from using that term, feminist. Yeah, yeah, I totally get that. What was your experience? Okay, I just feel like there's some animosity towards feminism, especially among our parents' generation and especially among men. Because I feel like this they have this misperception of, like, these crazy women, right? Like, that's an adjective that I've heard to use that's like used to describe feminists and I wish that they would understand that we're not really asking for a lot. We're not going around like hating men. We just want equality. We just want the same opportunities that you have, but they don't seem to understand that. Mm -hmm. I think when I was younger, I bought into that perception a little bit and I had this idea that, well, the genders are equal and therefore we don't have to talk about it. We just, Mm -hmm. we just have to act with, you know, with equality and with equity. But, you know, as I got older, I realized that, of course, our systems are unequal and treat men and women very differently, not to mention folks who don't identify in the gender binary. And so feminism became necessary, right? became necessary for me to use in my day-to-day vocabulary and as part of my identity. Um, I think one of the first things that I'll say about myself when I meet people now is, like, that I... I'm an advocate for women or that I yeah. am a feminist. Yeah. Um, and it's something that I'm proud to, to have as a part of my identity. And I think, um, you know, we should all be feminists. Yeah. Okay, let me tell you all something f- funny. At least in my opinion, it's funny. If somebody ever asks you if you're a feminist and you're like, I don't know how to respond to that, you should ask them, well, don't you want equality for men and women? Because what are they supposed to say to that? Like, are they going to be like, no, I don't? If they say, yeah, of course I do, then you can be like, well, we're both feminists then, aren't we? Because mm-hmm. I, as soon as somebody asks you, like, are you a feminist? It's almost like they're othering you. Like, oh, you're one of those. But if you actually, like, define what it means, it's like, I just want equality. Are they explicitly going to tell you that, no, we don't mm-hmm. want equality for you? And actually, that's a really interesting strategy that you described of, like, calling people in. I think that in various like advocacy circles there is this tendency to um be very angry with people that we're working against but in fact what i've learned is it's often beneficial to see what commonalities we have with other people um and especially on a a concept like um gender equity and gender equality 
if we come to the table with this idea that like don't you also want the genders to be equal then people will most likely say yes um because you know by and large people do believe that and people do want that at least the people that i interact with on my day-to-day basis and when you reframe something to be like so that we're all in the, like a level playing field that we all understand that the term feminism means equality of genders then people are going to buy into it and that's why i think it's so important for us to as advocates to define the terms and the concepts that we bring to the table because when i say things like feminism or toxic masculinity um or even the term radical feminism that people don't if, if we don't know what that means then we aren't going to be able to agree on the concepts yeah i was just being sassy and like sarcastic but i was deep and i didn't even realize it, <laughs> it comes naturally it happens to me. a lot <laughs> um yeah So one of the other concepts that I know you and I were discussing prior to this was this concept of intersectionality. So what exactly do you mean by that? Okay, so intersectionality is actually a legal term. The concept was developed by a legal scholar named Kimberly Crenshaw out of Columbia University, and she was a and is a civil rights advocate and a scholar of critical race theory. And she developed this term intersectionality to help us understand that people experience discrimination on multiple registers at multiple levels based on their different identities. So um, as we know in our, you know, white in a predominantly white society, white folks will have privileges that like black and brown people don't Mm -hmm. have, right? And so just sort of baseline. Um, And so a a black person is going to face discrimination that a white person does not experience, right? right? And so their life, just for simple terms, is going to be, like, harder. Right. Um, And then you say, like, a woman, because it's a male-dominated society, the woman is also going to have a harder time. But then how do we conceptualize the trauma and the oppression that is faced by a woman who is also not white, right? Because she experiences oppression at the intersection of both of those identities, of being a woman she experiences oppression because she's not a man. And as a non-white person, she experiences oppression because she is not a white person. And so in like legal um, communities, there used to not be a way to understand the fact that a person can face oppression on both of those levels. So there would be like Muslim women, for example, in employment cases where they wouldn't, they like their employer would discriminate against them, but wouldn't to be discriminating because that person wasn't being discriminated against just because she was a woman. Right. And she also wasn't being discriminated against just because she was Muslim. If you just examined those identities separately, like people weren't just saying, oh, you're a woman, so we won't give you this promotion. And they weren't saying, oh, you're Muslim, so we can't like include you in this meeting or whatever. But they she was experiencing oppression at, because of both of those things together. And so it's, it was created as a legal construct. And now a lot of feminists and like gender equality rights organizations use the term to basically advocate for people who experience oppression at multiple levels because of multiple identities. Now, based on these terms, intersectionality and feminism, Gainath, you mentioned that there were places when you experienced animosity because you identified as like a feminist, right? So can you talk a little bit about when that has happened? Yeah, so it wasn't even like me explicitly saying I'm a feminist. It was just like the questions I was asking, right? From a very young age, simply asking, well, if I was a guy, would I be able to do that? Because I had so many restrictions as a kid, Mm -hmm. right? And a lot of them, let's be real, when you're a desi, you know that your lifestyle is going to be different if you're a girl compared to if you were a guy, Mm -hmm. right? So just asking questions like, if I was a guy, would you let me go on a sleepover? And like the answer literally was yes. (laughs) That was the answer. So like just asking that question 
is a feminist question because I'm literally just asking for like the same rights as a male would get, right? That was from a young age. But even when you grow older, some of the things that you have to take on is like a woman. For example, some of those feminine like roles you have to do, right? Being a kid, taking care of some of the roles that my mom would and seeing my dad not having to do it, me asking those questions, well, despite him being an adult, why doesn't he have to do it? And it's like, oh, well, but he's a male. A male just provides, a woman like provides and does all this stuff. So just to, even when you don't, even when you think that you're not a part of like this whole feminism movement, if you've ever asked yourself, why, how come my brother or like this guy gets to do this and I don't, you're thinking like a feminist. It's because you want those same rights. Mm -hmm. That's really interesting. Um, so based on the ways that you started questioning when you were young, what was your transition like into like really owning your sort of advocacy and like beginning to define yourself as a feminist? Um, so I think this past year, especially <laughs> ever since I've like really found my voice, I think the hatred I've gotten towards men on TikTok has made me even more so a feminist because it's made me realize like in my, okay, so in my mind, I thought that the world was fine. Like I knew there was sexism, right? But I wasn't directly exposed to it. So I wasn't that aware. But when you get on a public platform and you are being harassed and getting told all these things, you're, you're having direct exposure with just how much is wrong with the world. You realize that there is so much progress that needs to be had. And ever since I started getting those comments, I'm like, no, like I need to start advocating for women even more because there are women out there who are scared to say certain things because whereas my parents are now supportive, that doesn't mean that a lot of parents are gonna be supportive. So knowing that I'm able to say things confidently that other women wish they could say, I feel like that makes me a lot more confident in identifying as a feminist. Because in reality, all I'm doing is asking like, well, why don't I get to do the same thing? And what's so wrong to ask that? And you know, I'm not saying like, when we use toxic masculinity, I don't want people to be offended and seem like we're demonizing you. All we want is for you to acknowledge how some of your actions that you think are so normal are actually a lot more harmful towards women than you realize. And actually, we kind of just mentioned the term toxic masculinity. And this is another concept that I think it's important for us to define. So in our previous episodes, we've discussed sort of the, the difference between femini femininity and masculinity, mm -hmm, right? The conventional yeah. roles that women take on in societies like child rearing, maybe cooking and cleaning. Um, those are often terms that are tied to femininity. and and then often roles that are tied to masculinity are things like, you know, protection, um, earning money. And obviously those traditional expectations have shifted, right? Yeah. And so now when we think of femininity, there's these concepts that we, we think are like, okay, these are concepts that and traits that women have. So like being a care, like a caregiver, being a caretaker, being like gentle, um, being kind, being um, like thoughtful, right? And those are all good qualities. And there are, it's the same for masculinity. There are sort of concepts that are tied to masculinity that are positive. So for example, being, um, being protective, being assertive, being physically strong, for example, all of those things are tend to be associated with masculinity, but that does not mean that women cannot have those traits, right? Like I go to the gym, I'm a physically strong woman. 
that might be a masculine quality, but that doesn't make me like a man, right? Yeah. Just like how when men are thoughtful and kind, even though those are quote unquote feminine qualities, it doesn't make a man who is gentle and kind womanly, just like a woman who is strong is not manly, right? Yeah. And that's the real harm of having a society that only defines our society based on like these this gender binary, because then everything you do that's like part of the opposite gender, it could, could make you feel like you're doing something wrong or you might yeah. get made fun of or bullied for that reason. I think one of the feminine traits that men aren't really supposed to demonstrate are having emotions and not just like any emotion. They're not really allowed or like expected to show like tears, for example, like sadness is a sign of weakness and all of their, all of their pain, I feel like they just suppress. And then that comes out as aggression. And that is, I feel like one of the most toxic traits about men is like they take pride in that aggression they're like oh in order to be a man you have to be tough like man up like don't cry like a girl like those are some of the phrases that i hear on a daily basis right like grow some balls dude like why are you crying like a girl like all those things are harmful because even if you don't think that deeply about what they mean you really should think about the implications mm -hmm. of that and they're not only harmful to women right when we say that you should act like a man when some a man demonstrates like kinder or gentler qualities then you're trying to turn men into like violent and aggressive people and men are not inherently violent or yeah. aggressive right we like train them to be that way as a society yeah. so just as much as it's men's fault that other men are aggressive it's also like mother's faults right like when a mom raises her son and when he falls says oh don't cry and when a daughter falls they're like oh baby it's okay like that you're you're perpetuating from a very young age to that little boy mm -hmm. that he can't cry or yeah. he can't show that he's sad yeah. and that he has to just suck it up and that's harmful because he's going to think that he has to be that way and that's going to later on manifest in aggression yeah and you definitely see a lot of this in the media especially in bollywood there's this glorification of violence right in the bollywood movie kabir singh which is one of the worst movies of all time there was <laughs> so much violence in there and like you know punching people breaking their bones like showing your guns to somebody your knife like people saw that as heroic they're like oh this guy has temper issues doing whatever he wants for the sake of love like people admired that and that appealed to a large population of men and unsurprisingly like they're more misogynistic men. And also, like, it, that movie, like, people thought it was funny, right? Yeah. And it's another one of those tropes of, like, boys will be boys, right? right. And boys do not have to act that way, right. right? Like, again, society creates an environment where it benefits men to be that way, and that's right. why they act that way. Right. And, like, it's not funny, and boys being boys does not mean they have to be violent and aggressive. Yeah. Um, and let me tell you a personal experience I've had with this. So my dad tells me a lot of stories of things he used to do in India when he was a teenager, when he was in his early 20s. And he got into quite a bit of fights, right? Like physical fights. The thing is, when he tells me about this, like he laughs, right? He's like, oh, the, the good old days. Like, yeah, we used to beat people up. Like he finds it funny. And at the time, he was like, oh, nobody could touch us. Like, you know, nobody ever wanted to mess with us. Like, yeah, bangani, gutting it. Like, nobody wants to mess with us, you know? And that macho-ness that he felt, 
Like, that can be toxic, because why is it so cool that you're going around punching people? Like, can you imagine if we got into fights, like, physical fights in, like, middle school or high school? Honestly, I've always wanted to get into a fight. Are you serious? <laughs> yeah, I've always wanted to beat someone up. Like, just gender matter, or just in general? Um, just in general, I just want to, like, fight someone. <laughs> <laughs> but that's irrelevant to this conversation, sorry. Like, not sorry. boxing, or, like, generally just, like, like a I don't know. typical like street fight? I don't I don't know, man. Oh my god. <laughs> I'd be too scared. <laughs> yeah, honestly me too. My um, hair, I don't want to get my hair to rip down. Uh, that's why I cut my hair off because I <laughs> cuz I'm getting ready for this fight though. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> but anyways, your dad, so he was he would talk about how he would like like walk around with his like little gang, gang of guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He was like, "Yeah, we were the gang." I was like, That's "Can I funny. If, if I said I was in a gang, how would you perceive that dad?" Right. You want to talk about equality? <laughs> right. Let me be in a gang. My dad also has like similar stories from he- when he was growing up and he was like, "Yeah, me and the boys would like go out and um and that you know, it's funny because it's like also how a lot of guys our age talk now. Actually, yeah. And it's just sort of changed a little bit, but they talk about how like they go out and like they flaunt around their like money or they like, you know, intimidate people with like whatever car they have. And they're like, like road rage, for example, is like a big, like sort of like a similar thing um, where like two guys in a nice, nice cars will like have a dick length comparison competition. (laughs) How how do we say that? Um, And, (laughs) you know, and like they'll, they'll like rev their engines and stuff. Like those are like little things in our society. It's just, like, a competition among them. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't have to be. Mm -hmm. And then women, we, like, support that, too, right? Like, we, we, like, encourage men who, like, to fight for us or, like, be aggressive to, like, you know, protect us and all of these things. And, like, have you ever seen an example of that? I'm sure there are people. I know that, I know that a lot of women, like, when they look for a man, they want the way they say it is like, I want a man. Mm -hmm. Like they emphasize that, right? Like I want a man. Well, what do you mean by man? Mm -hmm. Like someone who's willing to fight for you. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like I want somebody who's going to protect me, but I don't want them to go around fighting for, you know, no reason. Like if I'm in harm, if somebody is threatening me, like, (laughs) yes, you know, support me, like protect me. But like, if somebody just says something, you know, catcalling is not okay, but if somebody were to catcall me, like, I wouldn't want my boyfriend or my partner to go, like, beat them up and, like, put them in the hospital. Like, that's not the kind of support I need, Mm -hmm. you know, and I think that there are different levels to that. Somebody can be protective of you without being, like, aggressive. Exactly. Yeah. That's, like, a really good example of that, and, and, you know, like, you see this in, like, same-sex couples, too, right? Like, if, if two women are together, then they are both protective of each other, right? Mm. Just like, I mean, like, in my, you know, in, in your relationship, like, I'm sure you you and your partner are, like, protective of each other in different ways. Yeah. Um, and so it's, like, a quality that I think all couples feel for each other. Um, and, or should feel or should for feel, each other. feel for each other, right. And it's not just the man's job to, like, protect the woman. Right. So it kind of perpetuates some of the more feminine roles we're expected to take on. Like we're submissive and oh we can't fend for ourselves. We need protection. Like expecting a man to be a quote unquote man also makes us like go into those molds of being a woman in which like we can't advocate for ourselves. And it's something that's like not really thought of that much. It's like, oh you know, don't think too much into it. You're it's not that deep. But like yes, it really is that deep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if we define men and women as sort of opposites, then that's where that like happens. Because if we if a man is inherently 
aggressive and protective and mean and like macho then if a woman is the opposite then the woman is like meek and can't stand up for herself and is like gushy and like cries a lot and neither of those things are true of men and women today right like we're more complex than that yeah and we like should give each other that credit yeah there's this um there's this book called the mask of masculinity by lewis howes that um i read in college and it talks about how like masculinity toxic masculinity is bad for men and bad for women and it like describes some of the like different masks that men sort of put on so I'm just gonna like say like state them and then I'm curious to hear if one of them like stands out to you in your experience with men so there's the stoic mask um where men are unable to show their emotions which we talked about right the athlete mask where men are supposed to be good at sports um the material mask where they're supposed to sort of possess and have like material wealth the sexual mask where they're supposed to be sort of sexually dominant um aggressive mask self-explanatory the joker mask which is interesting putting off your feelings by using humor mm. and always being the entertainer in a room oh my the invincible mask so nothing can hurt you and you can't act like anything will hurt you the know-it-all mask where you can't admit that you're wrong or admit defeat and then the alpha mask where you have to be in charge dang so I feel like that's a really comprehensive analysis yeah. of, like, the qualities that men have to exhibit in order to, like, be quote-unquote successful. Do any of them stand out to you? Um, I think, first, okay, first of all, I've seen all of these. Um, I think the Joker mask and the Invincible mask go hand in hand, mm-hmm. right? Because the Joker mask, when you're trying to be, like, the class clown, trying to evoke laughter, you're also at the same time trying to put on this persona that nothing's going to bother you, like... When something, when something starts to bother you and you get defensive, you're just going to turn it into a joke and, like, project onto that person and, like, make fun of them, right? And then the class laughs. I've, I've literally seen this in my own classes. It's, like, the guys who make the most jokes and, like, tease everyone are usually the ones who are carrying a lot of trauma internally but, like, that's their coping mechanism is just mm-hmm. putting other people down by, you know, teasing them. Like, it's it's teasing to them, but, like, you don't understand how much it kind of hurts somebody. Mm-hmm. And that's – it's not okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then – so that's, like, the quintessential, like, bully. Yeah, yeah. Like, prototype, right? Like, yeah. archetype where you hurt others. Hurt people hurt people. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's that a, phrase is a thing for a reason. Right. But, okay, so what are some examples that you've seen of toxic masculinity or misogyny in South Asian culture specifically? Um, there's this story of, like, I feel like it happens in small ways. So one time, this happened this happened to me with a white couple and with a brown couple. Mm-hmm. Um, I was, like, at an event and I was trying to find parking. And so I had parked in a spot and then my friend was coming and I wanted to just like them to park next to me so I like pull just was like holding the spot for them and this like man and woman like come up in their car and they're like oh you can't have that spot and I was like no like wait were you standing in the parking spot? yeah no, and they were like you Sonia, can't have that spot Sonia. what and I was like I, oh I was like no like this is my friend's gonna come up and park here and they like started to like intimidate me like the guy was like you better get out of the way like I'm gonna run you over and I'm just like no you're not and like the the like partner the woman in the car was like sort of egging him on of like are you just gonna let her talk to you like that and I was like really like why are we this man probably would have just like driven away if his girlfriend or whoever hadn't been in the car like egging him on to like verbally antagonize me um 
yeah, and so if they just asked nicely, I probably would have moved, but you know me, <laughs> like, if, if someone treats me like that, then I'm just gonna, like, talk back to them, but just, like, little examples of ways in which, like, if a man's opponent is a woman, it, like, makes them feel like they have to win even more, because yeah. they can't get beat yeah. by a woman. Yes, exactly. They can't lose to a woman. Exactly. That's their huge ego coming in. Mm -hmm. There's actually a little example that stuck with me ever since I was a kid mm -hmm. from, like, one of the Bollywood classics, mm -hmm. Gubby Kushi Gubby Gum. Okay. Ah. Uh, yeah. Jo kedia so kedia, right? It's like, yeah, kedia bus. Right. Kedia. Yeah. Like the bus, right? So basically, there's this old man, all right? And in Hindi, whenever his wife is, like, trying to express something and he doesn't want to hear it, he goes, like, I said what I said, now shut up. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's, like, the basic, like, the direct uh, interpretation and she it. just sort of like immediately closes her mouth and just like looks down yeah that's what's expected like put your you know bitch I didn't ask you for your opinion shut up I already yeah. said what I said that's like you know it came out this movie came out in the early 2000s but I feel like that manner is still going on today like it wasn't that long ago and that concept of like when a man tells a woman to be quiet she needs to be quiet that is something that's so frustrating because I feel like sometimes we've grown up seeing this within our own houses mm -hmm. where because of the roles our women were raised in because that's all they know you're not supposed to raise your voice to a man especially you know your husband because you respect them and you love them mm -hmm. and yeah. yeah I have this other example in my like family that happened the other couple of years ago my dad had a friend of his over in the house and my dad has always been the type to say, like, Sanya, like, put on more clothes. Just literally whatever I'm wearing, he's just like, put on more clothes that cover your body more, right? And at this day, I think I was wearing, like, a tank top, and we were about to take a group picture, and he was like, go put on, like, more clothes. And I was like, no. And he started to get, like, mad. He's like, don't, like, disobey me in front of these guests. And I was like, okay. And so I went into the room and p brought, like, a black, like, ordney, like, blanket thing and just like covered my whole like you face with it so <laughs> I literally covered myself as if I was like in like a shroud um and I sat like with my face entirely covered and my entire body like covered in this blanket and it was just what did he say my dad my mom was just like Sonia don't cause a scene and that's interesting right because like I was doing it to like antagonize my dad yeah. um and and ended up, it's always my mom who's like, Sonia, like, take a step back. Like, don't disrespect yes, your father. Yeah, yeah. And I'm just like, what is it doing to you? Like, you know, I'm trying to cause my dad to, like, think about the thing that he just asked me to do, but you're protecting him by, like, Well, the thing is, like, that. when it comes to parenting, most of it is reflected on the mom. Yep. And so if I act up, it's my mom's fault. Mom's fault. fault. Yep. It's, it's never always my dad's mom. fault. Have you noticed that? Fitty, if, fitty. Stop. No. No, no. Go ahead. Let me have it. If, if the if the child does anything nice, right, it's like, oh, she's midi bitty. Yeah. Like, the dad's like, oh, she's my daughter. Yeah. But if she does something wrong, it's like, oh, that's your daughter. Like, you raised her like that. And as we criticize some of the things that happen in our culture that sort of oppress women, it brings me back to thinking about what some of the causes of this are. And as with many things, colonialism is the one of the root causes of of like patriarchy in our in our society and in our culture and so you know like the monarchies in europe in britain for example were like even though there were queens they were patriarchal systems that were based on like the head of state and men being in charge of most things and around the world like in east asia in 
North and South America and in African tribal cultures, as well as in South Asia and India, for example, like the Khasi tribe in Assam, that these indigenous communities were matrilineal. They were matriarchal, a lot of them. And when, you know, European colonists came in and took over these communities, they like oppressed the women and used like sexual violence as a way to put down women in these communities. And they used this like categorical violence to make sure that women could not stand up for themselves and could not have like the rights that they had had in their original societies. And so it just, yeah, it just makes me like really sad to think about how there were some of these traditions that were more sort of feminist that are part of our culture that we sometimes don't think about. So what you're saying is white people ruined everything. <laughs> Oops, you heard it here first. Um, yeah. I feel like it is a little bit easier to say the negative things that men do and how it negatively impacts us, but I think it's important to consider that it's not just solely up to the individual. I think their behaviors, their actions, the way each gender performs is a result of the way society molds them. Mm-hmm. You know, and so if we want to make our society better we need to take those actions we can't constantly like point our fingers around and be like well men suck okay well maybe we're as women maybe unknowingly we're doing something to perpetuate that toxic male Mm -hmm. behavior and it's always important to take that like systems view right like how can we change the incentive structure how can we change the institutions or the system that's incentivizing men to act in a toxic way or in a for women to like emphasize that, right? Yeah. So, Kainath, what is what are some tips for our listeners of how we can work towards changing our systems to be more feminist? Sure. So, for me, I love when women are able to acknowledge that, you know, there's some things that I could improve on too because it quite e- quite often it's like easy to point a finger, but in reality, women perpetuate toxic masculinity too, right? Like when you're a mother, and you tell your son like you can't have emotions but you let your daughter do it you're perpetuating that Mm -hmm. but also like if you're a woman looking for a partner don't tell your don't like egg on your partner like you were mentioning your story earlier right like don't provoke your partner to demonstrate these like masculine traits because what are you what are you doing for them you're telling them that this is the role that society expects and i expect i also expect you to fit into that role when in reality like i don't know a lot of men or a lot of women that like that aggressive nature in men Mm -hmm. so it's important for us to communicate with men not just what we don't like and don't appreciate but what we do appreciate Mm -hmm. and one of the things that i really appreciate is when men are able to be vulnerable Mm -hmm. like i genuinely appreciate that and i don't i don't know many women who want a hard exterior especially in a partner Mm -hmm. you don't want a man who's always closed well you know some people do but i personally don't want a man who's always closed off i like that closeness and that emotional intimacy Mm -hmm. and i think in order for me to get that from someone I also need to ask myself, what are some ways that I can evoke that? So one of the ways that we can evoke that sort of gentleness and tenderness is by incentivizing that in our relationships, both like romantic and, you know, like sibling relationships, friendships. One of the things that I love is like masculine relationships, like when men are friends with men and when they show like real caring for each other. (laughs) That's one of my favorite things because it, it shows that like, oh, you're, I'm, you're a man and you're capable of being vulnerable and that doesn't make you less manly. In fact, it allows you to have nurturing, strong, like close relationships with other people. Like one of the big red flags when I'm meeting somebody would, 
um, whether it's like a man or a woman is if they don't have like friends of the opposite gender right or of like other genders because it sort of raises a red flag of like do you not know how to engage with with other folks and so one of the ways that we can encourage people to be vulnerable is as a mother for example or as a sister encourage your brother to show or your like son to show their feelings create spaces where like a little boy can hang out with his dad right and ask his dad questions about his feelings or when you're at the dinner table asking questions of like your siblings or of your partner things like how did that make you feel or if someone is expressing those feelings to like validate them yeah. in small ways saying like yes thank you for t- sharing that with me yes. or when if someone just says they clearly seem upset and if they're like fine i'm fine or like try to brush it off give them a minute but then like prod them because people do want to talk about their feelings we just like have to create an environment where it's okay yeah i agree i think one thing that really shocked me about but like pleasantly shocked about my partner is that his parents did create that space for him because even though he was kind of closed off to me initially at the end of every phone call with him with his mom and his dad like they say i love you to each other and as a desi adult like man you don't hear that often Mm -hmm. you don't hear it that often Mm -hmm. that like openly saying okay i love you mom i love you dad like that is so sweet to me Mm -hmm. and i feel like some other people you know some may some men may be like oh that's too gushy like a man doesn't do that you know i personally feel like a man who's comfortable expressing himself Mm -hmm. is so much more valuable Mm -hmm. to me Mm -hmm. so in a nutshell normalize gentleness and tenderness and feelings and expression for men and of course for women too make make sure that in your relationships that it's okay and in fact encouraged for everyone to share how they're feeling Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and finally keep asking those questions a lot of times we don't realize how much sexism there really is in some of our cultural practices but when you question them is when other people start questioning them right like facilitating a dialogue when you start getting other people involved when there's so many people involved everybody starts questioning these institutions that have been kept for so long because no one's really questioned them because they've just been assumed like this is the right thing to do like for example in a lot of muslim communities women are not allowed to attend like certain parts of a funeral, right? Like when a body is buried, a woman might not be allowed to literally see her father or her son or her partner be buried because she's quote unquote too emotional, right? So if you're is in that, that situation, reason? yeah, that's one of the reasons that like, oh, they won't be able to control themselves that, that people give, right? Yes. And so, but women are much more emotionally resilient than men are. And so like, <laughs> cr- and, and that's based on the idea that like crying is weak. It's not weak. Crying is like a pro- part of healing. It's an outlet. You right. need that. You need that. And so if you, like stuff that in yourself you're gonna like explode one day but you know if you're in that environment and someone's like oh you won't be able to control yourself then asking like well why can't women attend like this part of the funeral just like anytime you're exposed to these kinds of things if you're able just question it because when you question it it'll cause people who have accepted these institutions their whole life to also question it with you and rally with you to change the system. And it's going to be uncomfortable. By no means is this going to be easy. I mean, I wouldn't expect to ask your mom a question and suddenly her behavior be completely changed the next day. Mm -hmm. It takes years. Mm -hmm. It takes a lot of progress. Mm -hmm. It took a lot of years in my own house, Mm -hmm. but I was resilient in that. I was bold in that. I was brown and bold (laughs) in that. Just 
what's the worst that could happen, mm-hmm. right? And I, in, from a young age, I was told to keep the peace in the house, don't ask the questions. But honestly, it's by asking those questions repeatedly that I feel like my family has made so much mm-hmm. progress. Yeah. And it's the reason for me, like, that my brother's often on my side because he heard me questioning, right? And, like, that's how he might not admit that he's a feminist. But, like, he's a pretty, a pretty feminist guy. Um, and so, you know, we can all help our brothers and, like, our partners become that way. Thank you so much, y'all. We're so grateful that you're here, and we really hope that you took something away from this episode. And we'd love to hear your thoughts. Um, Remember to find us on Instagram, and you can email us. Remember, our Instagram is underscore brownandbold underscore, and our email is brownandboldpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Until next time. Bye. Bye.